Are you a fan of the long-term sci-fi comedy Doctor Who? It's the bizarre but entertaining story of an extraterrestrial being called the Doctor, who keeps showing up to protect the human race here on Earth as well as other races on other planets. This hero has the ability to travel through space and time in a ship called the TARDIS. From the outside, it looks like a classic blue British police phone box, but fancifully, the TARDIS is bigger on the inside. The show's been running on the BBC since 1963, and part of what makes that long run possible is that the Doctor can be reborn from time to time with a different human body, although supposedly with two hearts. There have been 13 different actors playing the part of the Doctor, the most recent being Jodie Whittaker, the first female. I just finished binge-watching that season to catch up. Other recent leads have been David Tennant, number 10, Matt Smith, number 11, and Peter Capaldi, number 12. Hardcore Doctor Who fans call themselves Whovians. An urban dictionary puts it this way. A few easy ways to tell if someone is a Whovian are turn off all the lights while repeating, hey, who turned out all the lights? Moving statues around while they aren't looking or telling them not to blink while staring at a statue. Or yelling, exterminate! in a freaky-as-hell robot voice, and watch how they react. If they start screaming, they're most likely a Whovian. So what's the exterminate thing about? There are new and different cosmic bad guys for the Doctor to outwit in most episodes, but throughout the years of the show, a frequent threat to the future of humanity has been a strange race of robotic space beings called Daleks. Back in the earliest, obviously low-budget days of the show, the Daleks looked a lot like modified trash cans, I guess dustbins since it's British, and with sort of toilet plungers for arms. That basic funky Dalek look has been preserved over the history of the show, as has that creepy chant of theirs, Exterminate! Exterminate! So, the Daleks of Doctor Who are a classic example of fictional pop culture aliens out to exterminate humans. And there are also many examples of pop culture stories of humans trying to exterminate some sort of alien invaders. On today's episode, we're going to discuss a real-world story about how humans successfully managed to exterminate some alien invaders who were threatening the grape industries of California. So in California, there are a lot of farmers who tend 880,000 acres of grapes. These include those that are specifically for drying to make raisins. Other grapes are grown as a nice, fresh, mostly seedless snack. Throughout the state, there are also various appellations for wine grape production. And together, these crops bring in about $5.8 billion a year to the state's economy. And these products are loved not only by Americans, but by people around the world. California has, in various regions, nearly ideal climatic conditions for each of these grape categories. And since they're relatively drought tolerant, they're a good fit for our limited water resources. I live in California, and one nice thing is we don't have much rain during the summer. So our grape growers don't have to deal with some difficult fungal diseases that are a big challenge in places like Europe. There are still certainly pests that have to be dealt with, but the grape industry has always been a leader in doing that in a sustainable way. 
Now, the drama for our story began in the summer of 2009 in a famous premium wine grape growing area called the Napa Valley. One of the growers there spotted a caterpillar munching away on some of his grapes. Now, there are several kinds of moths that can be pests of California grapes, particularly during their larval stage as caterpillars. But the grower noticed that this one didn't look like those more familiar types. Being suspicious, he sent a picture to a county extension agent, the kind of university employee whose job it is to support the industry with research and advice. It turned out that it was a new kind of moth to California, an alien invader. Okay, not a space alien, but scary from the perspective of grape farmers. It's called the European grapevine moth, and as its name implies, it's been a pest in that continent for a long time. That name doesn't sound scary enough for our story, so let's call it by the scientific name, uh, Lobesia botrana. Now, this wasn't just another moth. The caterpillar stage of this bad bug would do a lot more damage to the grape clusters than the other moth species, and that would mean nice things like frass or insect poop on the grapes or the resulting raisins. To make matters worse, the feeding opens the way for fungi that rot the grapes. And that kind of infection can spread from berry to berry throughout the cluster. This would make it a lot harder for the raisin growers to have a high-quality product, and it would mean a lot more food waste leading all the way to the consumer level for the table grapes. And moldy grapes definitely do not make high-quality wine. Now, of course, there wasn't an extraterrestrial doctor to lead this campaign, but even Doctor Who drafts a team of regular humans to help defeat the aliens. In this case, the human team comprised representatives of the grower communities, university experts, and government employees from the relevant state and federal departments. They held an emergency meeting to determine if they could come up with a way not only to stop the spread of the pest, but if at all possible to completely eradicate it from California. Eradicate. Doesn't sound quite as harsh as exterminate, but it's essentially the same idea. In order to see what they were up against, 60,000 sticky traps were distributed around the state and in both vineyards and in residential areas. And during the 2010 growing season, they found 100,000 moths in several California counties. This was going to be a big challenge. Only a comprehensive strategy with broad participation would have any hope of winning. So the team developed a multi-pronged strategy. Those sticky traps continued to be used to monitor progress, and they were careful to use a color for the traps that, that wouldn't accidentally trap honeybees. It was important to find ways to limit further spread of the aliens. The adult moths can fly, but they don't tend to fly too far as, as long as they can find some grapes they want. So quarantine rules were set up to prevent fruit, farm equipment, recycled fence or grape posts, or other things from moving around that might allow the pests to hitchhike long distances. And it turned out that the moth larvae could survive the stemming, crushing, and even pressing of wine grapes. So it was critical not to move around those byproducts of the winemaking process. They also use an approach called pheromone confusion. And that was set up on an area-wide basis wherever the lobesia had been found. This involves putting up emitters of a specific sex hormone for this moth so that the males are getting so many scent trails that they rarely actually find a female to mate with. And there were lots of outreach programs to get everybody up to speed on the situation and to know their role. That included grape growers, wineries, fruit or raisin packers, and pest control advisors. The outreach also had to include 3,000 homeowners because they needed to cooperate. 
especially if they had backyard grapes, as many did. The coordinated task force would help those owners to treat their grapes or remove their fruit so that they didn't become a reservoir for the pest to then fan out into the commercial vineyards. Not only were there public meetings to reach all these groups, there was a Facebook page and a website at www.bugspot.org. The researchers developed a sophisticated degree day model to predict when each of the three or four new generations of moths would be hatching out so that the insecticide treatments could be timed and applied just right, not only to protect the crop, but to prevent the moth numbers from really blowing up as they would have if it hadn't been strategically checked this way. Almost all of the applications were done on a voluntary basis at the grower's own cost. In 2012, growers treated more than 12,000 acres. The organic growers also applied insecticide options that are allowed under their rules. The combination of quarantines, pheromone confusion, and well-timed insecticide sprays achieved what is called an ELE effect in population biology lingo. This is when the population size gets down to the point where there are too few of the pests in a given area to successfully mate. So this massive, voluntary, cooperative effort was highly coordinated across the different counties of the state, and it began to pay off. In 2011, there were 2,335 acres quarantined because of the presence of the moth. By 2014, that number was down to 446 acres. By 2016, the pest was officially declared to have been eradicated. Now, in Doctor Who, the Daleks don't ever seem to manage to exterminate humans, but in this story, the humans managed to exterminate the alien pest. There have been some other historical examples where humans were able to exterminate a new insect pest. Another strategy that was used in some of these battles is the intentional release of sterile males of the pest species so that they outcompete the wild males trying to breed with the wild females. This has helped several times when the Mediterranean fruit fly has invaded California. Another pest eradication success story has to do with a cotton pest called the pink bollworm. In that case, in addition to the release of sterile males, pheromone confusion, and area-wide plowdowns, there were strategic pesticide applications, and the growers also had the opportunity to use lines of BT cotton, which is genetically engineered to resist the pest. Now, unfortunately, it will never be possible to have this sort of victory over all the pests of grapes or any crops for that matter. Still, when growers are up against a familiar set of pests, they can achieve a sufficient degree of control to protect their livelihood, keep food affordable, and prevent the pest-related quality or food safety problems that would otherwise flow on down to the consumer level. You can follow me on Twitter at GrapeDoc, at G-R-A-P-E-D-O-C, and visit my blog at www.popagriculture.com.